Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. Philly sports fans, we hope you're hanging in there after that Sixers Game 5 loss. The team, as we all know, blew a 26-point lead to the Hawks. They're now down 3-2 in that series. We're not going to talk Sixers, but we just wanted to give our condolences to all Philly fans out there. And Joe, we thought, why not relive some of our most memorable wins for the Flyers this season and some of the most gut-wrenching losses for the team this season? We're not going to do it just this season. We'll even look at in the past what were some of the most memorable games we can recall win-wise for the Flyers and loss-wise for the Flyers. So when I have some fun there, tie it back to the Sixers. We know how tough that loss was in Game 5 as their second-round series continues with the Hawks. So, Joe, let's get into it. We'll start with the worst loss of the season in your mind for the Flyers this year. What was it? I think there's a good amount of – a good number of them to pick from. There's a lot to choose from, and – Initially, when we had talked before we started this, my thought was just pick a game against Buffalo. (laughs) But that's not the one I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with May 1st against the Devils at home. Okay. They lose 4-1 in a must-have game after having lost to the Devils the game before that. And I think that was the moment where you're like, okay, this season's over. They they come out in a must-have game against the Devils who had already – sold at the deadline um they were they were playing their young players and the flyers needed a huge effort and if i'm if i'm not mistaken they didn't get that goal till very late in the game so most of the goal most of the game it was for nothing and it was just like okay this team doesn't want to be here so to me that was the loss where you realized it was over for this season and um disheartening in the sense that they seemed almost like they quit in the game. And I I always think that that is going to give a fan um, really bad vibes when you see a team quit. And I felt like that's what it was. Um, There was no excuse for that performance. And, you know, that was, that was the one that stood out to me. Yeah, that's a good one. I think Flyers fans here are probably saying, well, where do we begin? Because there really were a number of just like stomach turning losses that, where you thought it, you know, when it couldn't get any worse, it did. Um, Joe, there, there was a 9 nothing loss to the Rangers. There was an 8 nothing loss or an 8-3 loss, excuse me, to the Rangers. I'm not even going to there go there. There was a 6-1 loss to Buffalo early in the season. Yeah, 2 6 It was a real big momentum uh, crusher yeah. early in the season after the, Flyers had well, uh, after the Flyers had played really well against Pittsburgh. Yeah. And they go and they lose to Buffalo 6-1. Now, at the time that that loss happened – Um, we didn't know how bad Buffalo was going to be because it was still early on. Um, In fact, that might've been the Flyers first road game was the Buffalo loss six, one. No, that was that. That was at Wells Fargo. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. I'm getting, they lost the Buffalo Buffalo enough times to to get them mixed up, which is probably uh, enough said about this topic. Um, what you just said, where do we begin? That I'm getting <laughs> losses to Buffalo mixed up. That's where we begin. <laughs> there, really, there really were so many. And uh, there were a handful of 6-1 losses, which is kind of odd that it was all by that score. Uh, two of them were to Buffalo. I'm going to go another loss to Buffalo because of the circumstances of that loss. It was 
the 5-3 loss to the Sabres the day before the trade deadline. The Flyers had just beaten the Bruins, and they were starting to creep and uh, behind Boston, hanging in there. And what made that loss to the Sabres so gut-wrenching was they had blown a 2-0 lead in the second period. They led 3-2 in the third period with just over three minutes left, and they lost that lead within like a 25-second span. The game just totally unraveled over those final three minutes. The air went out of the building. There were fans there at that point in the season, so fans were totally distraught. They were booing, and that really shaped the Flyers' mindset at the trade deadline. If they win that game, they would have been within two points of Boston with 15 games left. Maybe, 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 maybe Chuck, Chuck Fletcher is thinking, I'm not, I'm not going to sell. Maybe he wouldn't have – he probably wouldn't have bought real hard either, but maybe his motives would have been a little different at the trade deadline. Maybe the team has a chance to stay in the playoff race. But to lose in that fashion to Buffalo, uh, that kind of really, really, I think, signaled the white flag on the Flyers that, that, that season. Um, and that's when you really knew, I think, in my mind, that – that this season wasn't going anywhere. Uh, You just don't lose games like that. And that was just truly stunning. Out of all the stunning losses, that one to me just had my jaw drop. I just couldn't believe what I was watching. And it just so happened to be the day before the trade deadline where the Flyers uh, sold sold off some pieces. Michael Roffel, Eric Gustafson, they didn't add. And I think at that point, we knew where the Flyers were headed. Joe, your best win of this season. Uh, There was some fun moments. Uh, let's Let's not act like there wasn't anything good about this year. Uh, there wasn't a lot of good, but there was some moments to be like, hey, that was pretty cool. You know what? This moment's going to come with a negative also. So it's the <laughs> game against Washington. Um, I think it was a week before the Lake Tahoe game, maybe two weeks before the Lake Tahoe game. Okay. Um, it was the game where the, the, the Capitals had maybe the worst goaltending performance I saw all season. Um, it was also the game where Ovechkin put the puck through Myers leg, Phil Myers' legs. Yes. And then the Flyers end up winning this game 7-3. The caveat to this game is COVID hits the team right after this. Yeah. Um, and I think it really – you, you could have had the high moment and the unraveling of the season all happen within one week's time there. Um, that Capitals game impressed me with the Flyers because they, they got outplayed early in the game. They had – Ovechkin was doing whatever he wanted on the ice, and it looked like one of those games where the ball rolls downhill quickly on the Flyers. And they hung in there, and they persevered, and then they lit up the Capitals' goaltending. And it was kind of the moment that said, okay, maybe this team's a little bit resilient, and then COVID happens. So to me, that was a moment, uh, uh, a turning point in the season in that how you felt after the, um, after that win against Washington and then what happened after, uh, as we all know. And, you know, we talked about it for the rest of the year. So that was mine. That's good. I, I remember that one vividly, too. It was Super Bowl Sunday, and Sean Couturier was just coming back from his injury. He had a really good game. And yeah, like you said, it was a back and forth game and the Flyers just flat out outscored the Capitals uh, just because they had to put up seven goals to win that game. And that was when expectations were still really high. That was, I think, their first game against the Capitals. Uh, they put up seven, Couturier's back. 
Uh, everything's still going okay for the Flyers, and you're thinking this team's going to be competing for the East Division. Uh, and then, yeah, COVID hit, and just nothing was really ever the same after that. You had the long break. Um, even when the team got back, obviously their roster was decimated. Yeah, that was truly, truly, truly a turning point in the season. Uh, Joe, for me, I'll go with the Penguins win when they were down 3 nothing, stormed back, and won 4-3. That was earlier in the season as well. Um, that was early March, and I just thought that was a fun win. They, they go down 3 nothing in the first four minutes of that game, and I just remember, like, the vibes. That was in Pittsburgh, too. And I just remember the vibes on social media, the vibes – um, across the Delaware Valley where everyone was just stunned. Like, you don't see that often where a team goes down 3 nothing in the first four minutes, and you just couldn't believe what you were watching. And you were just thinking, gosh, let's just make sure this thing doesn't get worse. And the Flyers chipped away at it, chipped away at it. And what made it really memorable was it was a really impactful Claude Giroux game. Uh, I think a Claude Giroux moment that we'll look back on and say that was, that was a pretty special moment for number 28 uh, in his career. Uh, he had two of the goals – uh, in the comeback, he assisted uh, the tying goal that made it 3-3 in the third period, and then he scored the game-winning goal uh, late in the third period with about a little over two minutes left. That was pretty cool. That was in Pittsburgh. Um, I really thought that was going to be a turning point in their season. I think a lot of people thought those types of comebacks are. It wasn't, uh, but a memorable game nonetheless. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Jordan, it's funny. That might have been the most positive moment in all of March because there really wasn't many of them. So, No, um, and, and little did we know, Joe, Marshall was going to be – Let's the undoing a death sentence for the team <laughs> like yeah uh and that was yeah that was that was march 4th so it was one of like the real early games that month and then it just it nothing. unraveled from there it sure did it sure did um joe let's look at some historical games for the flyers it could be something that maybe stood out in your mind from a personal standpoint or it could just be one of the worst and best games in franchise history for you what is one of the worst games you can recall in Flyers history? Um, there are, there, I would say, and I was thinking about this a lot last night, given that Sixer loss. Um, I, I don't think the Flyers have a ton of shocking losses, particularly in the playoffs. They, they do have some devastating moments. Um, they, they got annihilated in the 97 finals in the, uh, in 
game three, I believe, against Detroit. Um, but the one I'm going to go with, and this might sound obvious, but I'm going to go with it, is Scott Stevens knocks out Eric Lindros in the last game Lindros would play as a flyer. And the lasting image we have of Lindros in a flyer uniform is him being helped off the ice at then Core State Center, I believe it was then. Okay. Um, so that changed the course of the franchise. Um, that team was riding a super high. If you remember, that was the playoffs where they won the five overtime again, five overtime game against Pittsburgh. They came back from down to nothing in that series to win that series. Eric Lindros had been on the shelf. He comes back during that series with the Devils, which the Flyers led three to one and momentum was so high. Uh, I think people had, you know, dreams of Stanley Cup and things just went south. Um, and that was the undoing of the Flyers and Eric Lindros relationship uh, at the time. And just from years of doing these, uh, there's many untold stories about that season that I won't get into right now. But um, that was a, in talking to play, former players that were on that team, many of them agree that that was the team that everyone believed was going to win the Stanley Cup. And that moment of with Lindros laying on the ice, and let's not remember, that wasn't an elimination game or anything. They still had to lose another game after that. But the air was let out of the balloon, and the Flyers just never recovered from what occurred that, uh, that night with Scott Stevens and Eric Lindros. And, you know, whenever you bring up the name Scott Stevens, that's what comes to mind. He and Eric Lindros had many epic battles during their careers against one another. Um, but that moment there to me is the, the moment I'll never forget um, for the Flyers in terms of devastating moments. Um, it's far and away number one for me. It's funny. I don't remember that at all, but I've seen that image so many times that I feel like I lived it. Um, it was just, I've seen that. It's just a, it's such an, I wouldn't say iconic, but it's such um it's such a damning photo uh, for the Flyers and just the Eric Lindros era. We, we, we just remember how that, how that happened and what, what ensued after that. Do you remember where you were for that, Joe? Um, I believe I was down the shore okay. watching um, at a house with, that my parents rented. Okay. And I probably just sat there silent for <laughs> a long time. Um, I, I, so when I say it wasn't shocking, the game outcome was not shocking. That moment was shocking. And it was, I guess it shouldn't have been shocking because we had, we had been through the, the concussion issues with Lindros before. Right. And, you know, he had come back in that series from an injury and he was super impactful in the game that he came back. And then this was the next game. So you're riding high and you're like, this is the moment. This is going to be Eric's moment with the team. And that's how it ends. And I think there was, a, there was already this feeling. Now, at the time when that happens, I'm, I'm 19, so I'm not working in the business yet. Uh, I think there was this underlying feeling that this might be Eric's last run with the Flyers. Of course, media wasn't what it is now. There wasn't social media. Um, 
you know, so you didn't have this constant running stream of thought of what was going on between Eric and the Flyers. But everyone knew, you know, the situation with his parents, his father acting as his agent was not going well with the Flyers. And, and I think we all knew the possibility that this might be his last run with the team due to his contract status at that time and kind of some of the, the ill will that was built up on both sides that had played itself out in the media because, um, you know, the, the, both sides weren't afraid to talk about what was going on during that time. So, you know, we, we all knew, but when you see, you know, the, the old saying that winning cures everything, when we, when everybody saw Eric come back in the lineup and be super impactful in the game in New Jersey, the game before everybody was like, this is going to be it. This is when it's going to happen. And then it, it didn't. And, you know, um, just so many uh, stories about how, how close that team was from Jonesy and, um, and Chris Terrian and Mark Recchi and guys that I've talked to over years, over the years, it seemed like the players felt the same sentiment that that was going to be their year. Um, and that, I mean, a thing, that five overtime game, how can that, that not galvanize a team? all the stories that just came from that game in itself and for it to end that way for the run to end that way to me that's number one and it's not close yeah and I used the word damning I would think a better word might even be piercing uh that was probably a pretty piercing image of just Eric Lindros after that hit it was just yeah I I, I, I can see it now without even looking at it I've seen it so many times and think about it now his number hangs in the rafters at Wells Fargo Center now yeah but, but his lasting image on the ice as a player, if you take out alumni games and things that have kind of, you know, the, the team and Eric have mended fences since then. So there's alumni games and number retirements and Hall of Fame and, you know, uh, Flyers Hall of Fame. And there's all things that have happened since then. But the lasting image as a player for it to be that is, is a real shame. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real shame, especially – for some, I grew up in the Lindros era. That was, he was the guy when I was younger. And for that to come to an end like that, you know, that's, that's, that's one I'll never forget. Yeah. And he was kind of like, I feel like he kind of revolutionized the game in many ways. Just, he, you know, you didn't see types of players like him. Uh, and, he, and even his legacy since he's done, been done playing, yeah. you know, the concussions are the most scrutinized injury in all of sports, not even yeah. just hockey. Yeah. And, you know, it, that's for as bad as it was when, when it happened and the jabs that were traded on both sides, there was a lack of understanding about how serious the long-term implications of repeated concussions and things were that and a lot of that has come to light since, but um, part of his legacy is the improvement in how to treat concussions. It, it can't be overlooked. Um, and, you know, that's part of his legacy, a Hall of Fame legacy that includes just major advances in sciences and, and health of players and mental health and all those sorts of things. And, you know, they could be tied back to Eric and, and to a lesser extent, his brother who had to retire, Brett Lindros had to retire before really ever getting to make an impact in the league due to repeated concussions. And, you know, while, and I think that's, that's gone a long way in repairing the relationship with the team uh, and Eric and, and as well as the fan, a lot of the fans, you know, 
he becomes a target back in the day because he got hurt all the time. And naturally and unfairly so, guys who get hurt a lot get targeted by the fans. But since then, we've seen like, wow, you know, this was a big deal. And, you know, a lot of what a lot of the advances in the, in the, in the science and the things that go into players health health now can be drawn back to Eric Lindros. And I don't think that can be overlooked. No, it cannot. Absolutely not. Uh, Definitely a hundred percent part of his legacy. Like you said, Joe, Um, for me, I'll go with just a personal experience. And I do think it's a pretty, um, pretty memorable loss in the way in which it happened and the circumstances around it. But uh, it was when I also first started covering the team uh, full time. So it was the 2016 playoffs. The Flyers were playing the Capitals and it was game three of the first round series. They had lost both games in Washington. They're coming home for game, game three. And that was the first home game since Ed Snyder's passing. Ed Snyder passed, the founder of the organization, of course, passed the day after the regular season finale. So the regular season finale was up in Brooklyn against the Islanders. Ed Snyder passed the very next day. Then they had their first two playoff games in Washington, D.C. So this was the very first Flyers home game after Ed Snyder's passing. So just all the vibes, the aura in the building, it was passionate um you could feel everyone's emotions and there was a just a real special feeling in the building and if you recall joe they did the light up bracelets that night in the arena and it made for a very cool scene before the game they did a very cool pregame ceremony for ed snyder everything about it was just so cool so memorable so well done and then michael raffle scores a goal in the very first minute the place erupts and I'm sitting there thinking, man, the Flyers are going to win this game. Like it's going to be, it's going to go down as just such a memorable game for all the right reasons um, in Flyers history and to really commemorate Ed Snyder. And unfortunately for the Flyers, the fans and for Ed Snyder's family and for everyone, uh, the game just unraveled and unraveled in epic proportions. They ended up losing 6-1. It got real ugly and for uh, many people that are probably listening will remember bracelets were starting to be thrown on the ice and for people that work in the business like we do joe and for a reporter i always remember that game because good or bad uh those games stick out uh when bracelets are thrown on the ice like you see things that you haven't seen um and i I can still remember like wayne simmons literally looking at the crowd and telling people please stop stop throwing the bracelets um i know it wasn't a very proud member for flyers fans but that was one of the worst losses that just stick out in my mind because I was there, I was covering it. Um, and just the buildup of the game and the way it ended was just, it was sad to see. And I still remember some of the comments. I remember uh, Ryan White talking to Ryan White and him saying, you know what? I don't blame Flyers fans. I would have thrown my bracelet too. That's how bad we were. Um, just a game I'll, I'll never forget. And it was just a really bad loss. Uh, they ended up having Ed Snyder's celebration of his life later in that series uh, kudos to the Flyers. They made it a series. They actually forced it to a game six. Um, but that was just a really bad loss. It put them in a 3-0 hole. And it unfortunately happened uh, in the first home game since Ed Snyder's passing. And that just the bracelets and everything about it, I'll, I'll remember uh, probably for the rest of my life. So that was one for me. Playoff loss that uh, was just really, really, really bad. Uh, Jordan, I was in the press box for this game as well. And... Yeah. Um, 
it was kind of one of those where it was a double whammy. We've had a double whammy, bunch of double whammies in this city. Yeah. And the double whammy being a loss and an incident that is going to carry itself out nationally as in, hey, remember when the Philly fans threw X, Y, and Z? I was at the game when they threw batteries at J.D. Drew in 1998, I believe it was, at the vet. Okay. And, you know, people still talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, you know, the, the old stereotypical one is the snowballs at Santa Claus. I don't think anybody was even alive when that happened. It happened so long ago. And it still gets brought up nationally, lazily by journalists around the country. It still gets brought up. And you're just kind of like this. So this game, the bracelets start getting thrown on the near ice and you're, and you're like, not another one of these moments, right? Yep. They're celebrating the owner the, the most important person, an entrepreneur in the city of Philadelphia, they're celebrating this man's life who had just passed away. And now the, 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 the whatever you want to call it, the, the giveaway that they gave out in order to, to create this great scene before the game is now being thrown on the ice because the fans are not happy with what's been, you know, what's transpired in front of him. Now this is not, and I'm not, I'm not excuse any fan that throws anything onto a playing surface ever, except for a hat for a hat trick should be banned from a sporting event for life. Yeah. There's no way to do that. I understand that, but this isn't a beer being thrown on the ice. It's like, Oh yeah. Did you see so-and-so threw a beer on the ice? This is like the symbol of the owner of the team who had just passed away. These are being thrown on the ice. It almost had this extra layer of, um, inappropriateness I, not almost it had an extra layer of inappropriateness and you know sitting up there in the press box as uh, uh, you know we when we sit up there in the press box it's way above the rest of the crowd yeah. so you can see everything that goes on below and when you start seeing those things rain down on the ice it's like oh no here we go again not only are they are, are they going to lose but now this this is going to be like forever remembered as the ed snyder bracelet game which it sort of has I mean, it's been referenced. It hasn't been referenced nearly as much as batteries or snowballs or things like that, but it's definitely in the conversation. And that's, you know, that's not anything you want to take away from a playoff game, excuse me, or a game where you remember the life of the most important person in the history of this franchise. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were saying, well, everyone just let down Ed Snyder. Like what would Ed Snyder be thinking if he was here? And it was true. Like you felt that too. You really felt like what would Ed Snyder be thinking right now if he saw this, if he watched this? So it was, it was just disappointing. And yeah, Joe, watching him from up top, you saw one or two go up and then everyone followed suit. Yeah. And it's it's embarrassing. I mean, it it came up this year during the Sixers playoffs, a couple fans have run on the floor. Uh, One in Washington comes to mind from their first series this year. All of this is embarrassing. The fans are not meant to be on the floor or throw things on the floor. And when you see it happen in mass, the impact of it becomes like, how can this many people be this absent-minded and think this is okay? Yeah. You know, it's one of those moments that sticks in your mind for a negative reason. And I don't want to disparage all fans that were at that game. It was, it was, of course, yeah. It was a portion of the fan base. It wasn't everyone, it, of course. As it, as it, and never, these things never are. They're never. No, they never are. It's, it's a select group of people that are just idiots. And uh, yeah, I, that, that just always, and I, that, that always stuck out to me. I still remember it. 
Um, anytime the Flyers actually have given out light-up bracelets, and I don't think it's been many times now because of that incident, but they have a couple of times, and people say, like, oh, are, are we going to relive 2016 playoffs? Uh, or did the Flyers not learn their lesson? It just – everyone remembers the bracelets. I, I worked it into all of my stories. How could you not? It, it became the game. Um, I remember Lou Nolan having to get on the PA and saying, fans, please stop throwing your bracelet bracelets if you do. Uh, we will, you know, eject you and things like that. Um, it was just a generally game. When a, generally when a PA announcer has to tell the fans to stop throwing things, you know that that game is going to go down in infamy. Yep. I think, I think they maybe, I think they put Lou Nolan on one of the shirt giveaways later on in that series. Um, in, I'm pretty sure they did. And I'm pretty sure it was, it was, I believe maybe off of that moment, uh, I think Lou said something. I, I yeah, have, I don't remember. I don't remember the exact quote, but I know exactly what you're talking about because he didn't get on there and make a nice announcement. It was he he got on there and kind of and he laid into the fans a little yeah. bit and rightfully so. You know, to to Lou's credit, he you know he gave it to the fans and anybody that threw a bracelet deserved it. Yeah, no, that was great. I remember. I can't. I meant to be something like "Stay Classy" or "Philadelphia, Let's Be Classy." I can't exactly remember. I'll have to try to find it. Um, obviously a lot of times they give, uh, you know, media members the giveaways too. And I, I usually give them to friends or someone that maybe is a big Flyers fan. So I don't think I still have this shirt, but I know some of my friends probably do. Uh, and it was just a really fun way of the Flyers to kind of work in Lou Nolan and maybe try to playfully put that, uh, that moment in the past. But Joe, let's turn to the positives. Most memorable wins in playoff history. Anything that sticks out to you, what is it for you? Yeah, so I'm going to go with one as a uh, – uh, I was a fan. It okay. was 1995, the strike-shortened season. Eric Lindros had won the Hart Trophy that season. Um, the Flyers are playing the Rangers, uh, and it's game two of their second-round series. I believe they beat Buffalo in the first round. And this is the second-round series, and it's against the hated Rangers, the Messier, the Brian Leach – much of the team that had won the Stanley Cup the season before, this is the team the next next year. And there was this aura of two. It, it was a lot of members of the Edmonton Oilers that had beaten the Flyers twice in the finals in the 80s are on this Ranger team as they're, as they're older. Esa Tikkanen, um, I don't remember if Yari Curry was on the team, but it was, you know um, uh, Mike Keenan was no longer there, but this was uh, actually, he might've been. I can't remember all the details. I was, I was 14 at the time. And um, I'm sitting in the first row of the upper deck behind the goal where Eric Lindros scored a one-handed goal during the game. But the goal that they, they scored in overtime to win this game, Kevin Holler, uh, Michael Renberg and Kevin Holler on a two-on-one, they scored to win the game. And this was game two. This was a game the Flyers had trailed 2 nothing against the Rangers. Um, and, you know, at this point in time, the Flyers had missed the playoffs five years in a row leading up to this year. Um, and this was the moment where you felt like, okay, the Lindros era has arrived and this team's going to be a dynasty. Yeah. And um, this was really before the real plague of injuries for Lindros started. Um, I believe he was wearing a face shield in this series because he got hit in the eye. So, you know, um, but, you know, you didn't have that feel like 
an injury is going to derail the season or the playoffs yet. Um, so that, that, this, of course, ended up being the year that Claude Lemieux scores a goal from the blue line to end the Flyers' playoff run, um, beating Ron Hextall from the blue line. But this Rangers series, uh, the Flyers ended up winning. Um, but that game two, Kevin Holler goal, um, anytime you can go and just search a guy's name on YouTube and the goal comes up, which yeah. it has because I've searched it many times. Uh, I wrote about the top 10 Flyers playoff moments last year for our website. And, uh, yeah. and Kevin Holler's goal was in one of them in game two uh, in 1995. And I remember sitting in the first row. It was the best game I've ever attended of a fan as any sport of any sport. And I remember the spectrum that night. It was, it felt like an earthquake in the spectrum. And I'll tell you, I've never, ever, except for maybe standing on the field during a Penn State game for work. Now, keep in mind, that's 110,000 fans at Penn State. This was 17 and change at the spectrum. Uh, I've never felt so overwhelmed by a crowd uh, in my life. And that, you know, that memory will forever stick with me. Yeah, there's ones that like sometimes when you're it's when you're a fan or before you even start working in sports, uh, those ones just stick out. They just really stick out. That's you can't go wrong with that one. That's a really good one, um, Joe. For me, I will go. Uh, I'm going to go another experience of working. Um, I'll say game uh, five in 2018 against the Penguins. Uh, this was after the Flyers had lost games three and four in Philadelphia by a combined score of 10 to one. They just got worked. Um, they're down three, one in the series because of it. Uh, and if you remember Couturier, Sean Couturier missed game four because he collided with Racco Gudis in practice and hurt his MCL. He comes back for game five in Pittsburgh and you're thinking they're done. Uh, Couturier is pretty banged up. They just got, literally destroyed in Philadelphia in games three and four. Uh, the Penguins are the two-time defending champs. Uh, the Flyers have no business sending this series back to Philadelphia for a game six. And Couturier willed the Flyers. Uh, he willed the Flyers in game six, even though they lost. But he scored the game-winning goal in the third period um, of that game five in Pittsburgh. They won 4-2. Uh, they come, the series comes back to Philadelphia, and Couturier put on a show. He had a four-point game and a hat-trick, I believe. No, I'm sorry. I think he had a five-point game and a hat-trick. They lost, though. Uh, Pittsburgh just couldn't, couldn't be stopped. They lost 8-5. But to me, that stood out um, as kind of Sean Couturier's arrival, his moment of, like, this guy is a Philadelphia Flyer. Um, and now I've gotten a chance to cover him for many, many years now. And uh, I've enjoyed him as a player. Uh, I've enjoyed him as um, – as the what makes him up as a player in terms of work ethic, drive, wanting to be perfect, wanting to play a full 200 feet. Um, I appreciate that. So uh, that, that was a moment uh, that I won't remember. I, I won't forget, excuse me. And he ended up uh, revealing that he was playing on a torn MCL. So he did that in game five, he scored the game winning goal. And then in game six, he had a five point game with a hat trick uh, all on a torn MCL. And I was like, wow, this that's when I was like, this guy's pretty tough. He's a pretty gutsy player. He's a flyer. Um, that was something that really stood up to me. I, I just, I'll never forget that game five in Pittsburgh. And then I was there for game six for work. And they, if you, Joe, if you remember, they went up in that game on a Couturier goal. 
And I'm like, wow, are they going to force a game seven? Is Couturier actually going to do this against the two-time defending champs? Uh, the game unraveled on them a bit. They lost 8-5, but uh, still a memorable moment for me, at least in playoff history from what I've been doing in terms of work. Uh, I won't forget that for sure. Yeah, I remember uh, covering that series, uh, doing pre and post game for those games. Yeah. Um, and it really, it, it did have a feel that they were going to force a game seven. And, you know, uh, I, I, I was already planning on game seven. What are we going to talk about leading into game seven? And then, of course, you mentioned the game unraveled on them. Um, so, you know, what just occurred to me is during this discussion, neither of us brought up the Patrick Kane goal. No. Uh, and I will say that the honorable mention for worst. Now, I, I don't I won't consider it shocking. What I will consider shocking was I don't think at least half the building knew the goal was scored. I was out in the arena during this game. I was working that night out in the arena and. There was no reaction. And then all of a sudden, Patrick Kane is skating down, and the Blackhawks, of course, had just won the Stanley Cup, and nobody saw the puck go in. And um, the the gradual realization that the season was over, and that the Blackhawks had just won the Cup on on the Flyers' home ice, it was a unique feeling that I don't think can be matched at any other Philly sports moment in history because. It was a moment that, you know, you still hear the cliche to this day. People say, I'm still convinced that that Patrick Kane goal never happened. Yeah. You hear it all the time. So um, I thought I should throw that one in there because I'm sure people listening think, well, the Patrick Kane goal is definitely a candidate for one of the worst, for sure. And the Flyers did fight back in that. They had some big moments in that series um, where it felt like they, you know, they were going to at minimum push – push it to Chicago for game seven. But of course, um, that Patrick Kane goal put, uh, put an end to all of that. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. No, I'm glad you brought that one up, Joe, because that one, of course, has to be up there, if not one of the top. Um, and I think what makes it even more stinging is that the Flyers haven't had playoff success really since then. Uh, the next two years, um, they won a series. Uh, the next season, they won a series. The following season, they won a series. After that, 
It's been in and out of the playoffs every year and only one series win since uh, 2012. And I feel like we've been talking about the shift by Giroux against Crosby in 2012. Yeah. Because that was really the last time they had playoff success. Yeah. And think about that. We're, we're almost – by next playoffs, we'll be 10 years from that series. Yeah. And as a Flyers fan, you're hoping and praying that, you know, like that, that goal, that Patrick Kane goal will eventually be erased by getting back there. And you're hoping it's not the closest they would ever get again to the cup. But, you know, we're, what, over 10 years later now, and it's the closest they've gotten. And it's the moment that really sticks out the, the, the most – uh, in terms of just being so close and then it just happening in such a weird, funky way. And yeah, that's, the Flyers just have not had playoff success since then. And it just tells you how precious every year is. Like any chance players talk about that, and I think they genuinely, thoroughly believe it. Um, every year is precious. You just like, that's why I think those losses in those moments are, um, are such gut punches because you just don't know when you're going to get back. And Claude Drew. I think I heard him say it in an interview um, for another, it was, I can't remember when it was, but he, he said um, back then, you know, being a little younger, he's thinking, Hey, we'll get back. We'll get back. And they haven't been back yet. And they haven't really even been close. Uh, so it just tells you how, how sweet every opportunity is. If you think about it. And I always find this interesting when I, t- I t- talk to people about the, the flyers and the history of the flyers flyers, they win the Stanley cups, right. In, in the seventies against, juggernauts boston buffalo they they those those teams in the 70s and then from that point on their appearances in the finals go 1980 a dynasty the islanders beat them 1985 the edmonton oilers dynasty beats them 1987 the edmonton oilers dynasty beats them 2010 the chicago blackhawks dynasty beats them so it's always been they've always come up against dynasties yeah. It really is unbelievable. And I, I always, you know, I've talked to a lot of former players from the 80s teams. And, you know, the Flyers could have been the dynasty in the 80s, if not for that Edmonton team. Because, really, the Flyers ran rough shot on most of the teams that, um, aside from Edmonton, during those seasons. And, of course, the Pelly Lindbergh tragedy was mixed in the middle of there. So that kind of, you know cast the Paul over some of those um, teams. But I mean, really that team was equipped to be a dynasty um, hall of famers, great, great all time franchise goal scorers. Um, you know, the list goes on Brian prop, Tim Kerr, those guys. And you had defensemen like Mark Hall and Brad McCrimmon and, and they were set up to be a dynasty and the Oilers prevented that. And really um, it, it's an interesting history when you look at their Stanley Cup final history since winning the two cups, it's all been about dynasties. And, you know, the Blackhawks dynasty, they really set off the dynasty in yeah. 2010 with the Blackhawks winning two more cups after that. Yeah. Even if you look at the Lindros team that went to the cup against the Red Wings that you. Yeah. The, I, for, I totally forgot that one. That's always in the, yeah, the Red Wings. That's a dynasty. They were the yeah. dynasty. Like, Flyers fans have to seriously be scratching their heads just thinking, like, yeah, from those, those two – their two only cups in, this, in the mid-'70s, and you're thinking, man, they, they had some opportunities to get more. And, unfortunately, sometimes you just run into great teams. And even if you, if you look at the, the, the years in the 90s that they didn't get to the, 
final against the Detroit the one year, they're losing to the Devils, who were almost a mini dynasty. Like yeah. it, it, they've really, really come up some of, against some of the all-time teams yeah. in the history of this league. And you know, the Islanders have given them problems the past couple of years, and they're the guy that leads their team is the guy that was in charge of those Devil teams, yeah. Lou Lamorello. So it's it's really a uh, it's really a I don't want to say snake bitten because other teams had to play those teams too. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you really came up against some of the great names and great teams and great, great dynasties in the history of this league. Yeah. I think it's really what has made the Flyers stretch of uh, without a cup even tougher is that um, not only has it been many, many years, obviously since those mid 70 cup teams that were iconic uh, of course, but also, uh, the the number of times they've just ran it, they've run into really good teams and fallen just just short. It makes it even tougher, uh, and uh, an even tougher pill to swallow for sure. Well, Joe, this has been fun. Um, even though we have had to relive some of some bad moments in franchise history, we relived some fun ones, um, and we couldn't help but think about it because of the Sixers' loss in Game Five, twenty six point blown lead. Um, it just has you thinking, man. Where does that rank among some of the all time worst in Philadelphia history? So we decided why not. It was fun doing that, Joe. I can't wait, not, can't wait to chat with you next time. But thank you, as always. Uh, special thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Yeah.